This is the What I Live For podcast for Thursday, January 16th, 2020. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the What I Live For podcast. And today I'm talking to my friend Dan Rosado. Uh, Dan is the uh, podcaster uh, for the Big Fat Life podcast, which I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Dan's podcast came out of nowhere. Like it like he's I think he started in June, but like for the most part, like it just came out of nowhere. And I I started just seeing his name everywhere. I was like, who is this guy? And like. You know, she, he, he was like, he was interviewing so many people and I was like, I had no clue who he was. And then, uh, you know, I did his podcast, uh, a few weeks ago and it, we like, we started talking and like, we have a lot in common after, after, uh, talking on, on my podcast this week. Um, you know, we both have background in news, like, and like video editing and things like that. And like, we have a lot of similarities with like weight loss and like how we were addicted to like soda and stuff like that. So like it, you find a lot of similarities in me and Dan's story, but, uh, for the most part, like Dan has his own unique story and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you want to follow Dan on Instagram, you can follow him on Instagram at big fat life podcast. Uh, that's where he posts like a lot of his stuff with, with his podcast. Uh, also go check out his podcast, big fat life podcast. Cause, um, like I said, it came out of nowhere and like, he's doing some really good things with that podcast. And, uh, he's interviewed a lot of people in just like a short amount of time. Uh, I think we pretty much both started like doing interviews around the same time and like he's killing it. So, um, give, give his podcast a follow. Um, you know, you can find it on Spotify, you know, Apple, Apple podcasts and things like that. So like definitely, you know, hit up, hit up his uh, podcast. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Like, like I said, I had a lot of fun just having a conversation with Dan. We go all over the place. Uh, I think at one point we started talking about history um, because I, I, I wanted to pick his brain about like what it, what it is about history that he liked. And um, uh, it, it was just a fun, uh, it was just a fun episode to just to record. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And without further ado, let's just, let's just get right into it. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? What's up, Willie? How you doing, man? I'm good. You can't. Can you hear me loud and clear? I can hear you loud and clear. How about you? Uh, yes. Let me turn you up just a little bit. All right. I can. Uh, yeah, I'm talking into the uh, microphone. So, look at you with a professional setup. Uh, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I could, I, I could have gone with my headphones, but my headphones, I don't think, sound as good as my mic, and I thought yeah. I owed it to you to try to give you the best I got. No, you're good. I appreciate it. All right, man. How you been? Uh, I've been good. I've just been super busy. I'm working on this Christmas episode for um, for Christmas Day, and I've, right now it's like already over two hours long, and I've only, I've only had three people on it. Oh wow! So I, I think I'm gonna. <laughs> I had it originally because I did the, the the one for Thanksgiving, and it was five people, uh, and that one was you know it was five people, and it was somewhere between twenty and thirty minutes per per person. And this one has become closer to like an hour per person. So I'm like, yeah, I need to cut this at three. So I'm just going to do three people. I got you. Okay, that's cool. Did you listen to the other one that I just did? Yeah, it was great. I loved it. It it worked out pretty good, man. I I honestly, I appreciate that. I I thought about it ahead of time and I wasn't sure 
like if it was going to work out, but I'm like, let me just ask everybody the same type of question and see if I can work this in. Mm-hmm. And it, because everyone gave me a different perspective, it really did work out. No, it worked out perfectly. Cause like everybody had, not everybody had the same perspective. So like it, it, it worked out really yeah. well to have different strategies for just the holidays. Yeah. I, I lucked out and, um, and it, it wasn't very long, but it was perfect to me because it was just like everyone had their point and I was able to weave it together. I, I'm just saying, like, for me, I went into it very unsure how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And it came out like I, I was I was happy with it. I think I think those those kind of projects, that's 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 those are the good projects to do, because like you, you go into it because like the the one I did for Thanksgiving, I had no clue what it was going to be. Uh, and I just went into it just. I just wanted to see what was going to happen. And right. when I ended up recording it, I was like, okay, I recorded the first part with, I think like it was Nikki. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be something real special. So I'm going to keep going with it. And so like I did Daryl and then Rachel and then James and then Gary Cantrell. So I was like, okay, this works. So I'm going to put it out the way it is. And if people enjoy it, people enjoy it. They don't, they don't. And surprisingly everybody enjoyed it. So it, awesome, it, was, it was great. You, uh, you edit all your podcasts. I don't I, I edit, but I do minimal editing editing because I, I I have a background in news. So I know that for me, I will try to narrow something down so, to its like perfection. And, you know, that that just takes forever. So I just don't do it. I do just enough to where it's not like awkward pauses or anything like that. Um and I don't okay. cut out ums or an, an ahs or anything like that. I just want it to be like a natural conversation. Yeah, I got you. Hey, wait, you have a background in news? I didn't know this. What do you? What did you do? I, I was a I was a, a video editor for <laughs> like maybe five years. That's what I do for a living, man. Oh right wow, now. I'm a video editor right now. I've been editing at NBC News for since 2006. Oh wow. Yeah, this is crazy. What is, I did not notice when I spoke to you last time. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. This is what I do for a living. I've been doing this. I've been editing videos since high school, really. And That's then awesome. uh I've been doing this ever since. I'm I'm at work right now. This is why I say six thirty. It's my break time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I started out like I, I started out with radio and T V news and I and I just kinda got away from the T V news and just started doing more of the of the audio stuff. Right. And that's why I started doing the podcast. Very cool, man. Wow, that's so funny. I have you're the first editor that i met besides myself so you don't edit anymore for profession no no i i mean i dabble every now and then but like i haven't done it in a while but because I've, I've been really putting my focus in the audio and, right, and, I got that, you. and that and that's where i feel like where i need to be so like i've just kept with just audio yeah good for you man yeah very cool so i wanted to bring you on here because i wanted to know your backstory because i you know i I didn't go back and listen to any of the podcasts you've done with Daryl or Gary or anything like that. So I just wanted a fresh perspective. And so I wanted to know where did you grow up? Oh, I, well, I was born in, in the Bronx in New York city. Um, you know, one of the boroughs of New York city, the Mm -hmm. Bronx. And I was there till about 12. Then I moved a little bit upstate, like to a suburb of New York city, about let's say 60 miles away. And, um, it's called Warwick, New York, and okay. I lived there for a while, and then pretty much went from there to after college, went to New Jersey to Hoboken, New Jersey, and mm-hmm. then now I'm now I'm in Brooklyn. Okay, 
So what was your childhood like? Because I, I always ask this question because I, I you kind of get a, a, a glimpse of somebody from how they grew up. So I want to know what your childhood was like. Just in terms of everything, like not just we're not talking about food and diet right now. No, right? just like family dynamic and things like that. Like, oh, yeah, I, I had a really good, good childhood in, in terms of I have. I'm the youngest of three. Okay. I have two older sisters. They're 11 years older than me, actually. They're twins. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so I was, in, in a lot of ways, because of that age gap, I, there were times where it felt like I was an only child, mm-hmm. which, you know, in, in some ways played to the benefit of me because all the attention was on me. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes not to my benefit, but depends how you look at it. And, you know, I have you know two great loving parents. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think they raised me right the best they could. And, um you know, my, uh, they were very involved with church and my dad's actually a deacon and it, uh, I had that kind of upbringing, a little yeah. bit of uh, a dose of reality being in New York, like the real, my, my, my father had, you know, grew up in, in, in Harlem and Spanish Harlem actually. Mm-hmm. And before that Puerto Rico, and he had a very realistic look on life, but mixed with some some of the love and, and spirituality from like, you know, being around the church a lot, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was a happy kid and I, I, I can't, can't really complain about that. I had friends and I, I just, I think I had a pretty good upbringing. Yeah. So now were you, okay. I always ask this question. So are, were you more of an academic or were you more of like a sports kind of person? When, like when you were growing up, like, cause I know a lot of people play, played sports when they were kids or, or they were just yeah. like in the books and their head was in the books. I was kind of in the middle, uh, to be honest, because I'm not much of a gifted athlete. I have some athletic ability, mm-hmm. but I would say that by the time I hit my sophomore year of, of high school, it was evident that I wasn't going to hit the growth spurt that many other guys had already been hitting. Yeah. And so and I had limitations like I just you know, you can tell when your skill level is not improving when everyone else is. I mm-hmm. always loved baseball. I played baseball. I played some football. But, uh, yeah, it, it sort of topped out for me by 15, 16. I didn't really have any more skill to give. And I was always a bigger kid also. So it yeah. wasn't like I was in top shape all the time. And I love sports. In terms of academics, I was pretty good. I mean, math was always my weakness. It was really difficult. Yeah. Uh, everything else, I was great in history. I still, to this day, I love history. I, I watch history documentaries all the time. It's always interesting to me. Um, reading, you know, English, all that stuff I always loved. And my grades, I think, reflected that. I was pretty much like a 3.0 type of student, you know, a B-plus type mm-hmm. of student. So you said you're you're into history. Like, is there anything like that really like catches your eye when it comes to history? I think, it, 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 you know, there's so many different things. What, what it is for me now is I be maybe because I work in, in news, I'm very – tuned into the things that are happening both on a local level in New Mm -hmm. York and national, obviously with our politics. And what intrigues me about it with looking at history is how many things we can learn from our past Mm -hmm. in terms of our, let's say as a country, right? And you see the things that have happened in this, in the history of this country, it makes sense to a degree or put some, shed some light as to why certain things are the way they are or even our world history. And I'll, I'll watch that stuff. I'll watch World War I documentaries, World War II documentaries, any type of war documentaries, because I always find like you can learn so much just by looking at your past. Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of that stuff repeats itself. So like there's, there's so much that you can learn from just 
going back in history and, and figure out what happened then. And is that any of that stuff kind of repeating in itself now? Yeah. And it's just, you know, for like a, a example that comes to mind is I watched a, a documentary not long ago on, I think it was on Amazon prime. It was about world war one. And I realized that of all the wars that, you know, I've learned about growing up and everything. It's the one that I didn't have a lot of information about, at mm-hmm. least in my mind. And, you know, after World War One, there was a lot of segmenting of the of 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 Europe, of of Eastern Europe, of how there was sort of a land grab and how these countries sort of reformed. Yeah. And the Middle East was remapped. And in a lot of ways, I didn't realize this. You know, some of the problems that to this day are occurring in that region of the world are born out of this re remapping of that world. So you had these communities that historically did not get along are now under one flag. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that's where that all was driven from, why there was so many problems in the many years that followed up until recent, where in the same country, so many like groups would just get into these battles, into these wars. And yeah. it, it just made, it made me realize that that was, that was just a microcosm for everything else that happens in this world. That if you just look back and see you can kind of figure out why did it get to this point? And I think that's important in life in anything where it's like, if you can just look back, you can maybe understand the problem that you're dealing with now and try to figure out how can you resolve that issue? Because without that history, how can you really fully fix it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because that, like I said, uh, there's so much of history that you can learn from like, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, going back and reading some of the this, this stuff that happened like in, you know, the, the 1940s, the 1950s. And like, even before that, like you, you learn stuff from that and, and, and you can kind of just put it towards your life. And, and it's, it's so interesting because I'm not like a big history buff. I know people who are, um, but I do find it like really interesting to, to go back and, and read that stuff. Cause I'm, I'm reading a book now about Genghis Khan. So like, it's just interesting to like to, go back and read that history of Genghis Khan because yeah, like, it, yeah, it, no, I just, I think that anything like that's a, that's a perfect example. I mean, now you're talking way back. Right. But yeah. if like, I have that wonder about things, like I look at something and I'm like, why is that there? Why, you know, a structure like that, you know, is old or something that people go to visit. It's like, what's going on with this? What's the history behind that? How did we come to this? And the story you know, th- doing these podcasts, you know, what are we doing? We're telling stories, right? Yeah. We're telling each other stories. We're allowing a platform to tell stories. You know, you used to work in the news business. I currently mm-hmm. do. And, you know, yes, we can criticize all day long. Uh, oh, news is always negative And you hear those things all the time. And I understand that. I, I can, I can uh, sympathize with that. But in the end of the day, like, it's telling stories of what's happening. Yeah. And looking at something... And the reason why people go to, let's say, visit something historical, understanding that back history, it's so interesting to me. Like just how we it just really tells the story of of so many things. I watched a, a History Channel documentary a few years back with Alyssa, my wife, and it was about it was called the history. The, uh, it was called the I think it was called the men that made America, which, okay. you know. Doesn't really sound too good in the Me Too era, the men that made America. Mm-hmm. But it was about these like historical men uh, it was about Edison and it was about um, uh, Rockefeller and it was uh, uh, Andrew Carnegie mm-hmm. and um, and Ford. And it was just oh, I'm sorry. And J.P. Morgan. 
Okay. And it was and, and it was just interesting because those names we know now, like every most people know the name Carnegie and yeah. most people know Rockefeller. I mean, I work in a building called Rockefeller Building, Rockefeller Plaza. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have uh, a J.P. Morgan is, you know, J.P. Morgan slash Chase is like a financial firm. Mm-hmm. And so these are names that we and Ford. You know, we still drive those cars. It, it's intriguing to me to hear the stories of these people because when you go to the stories of those guys, you kind of see how America sort of developed during the industrial age. Yeah. And and just the stories of these people help tell the story of an entire country, which is incredible that in a sense, like they can put their mark on something like that. And wouldn't we all be so fortunate to put our mark on something that remarkable, you know, that 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 remarkable. Yeah, because it's all about legacy. And that legacy still stands, you know, the test of time now. Like, yeah. those names still, like, ring. Like, when you hear those names, you know exactly who they are and what they're Absolutely. all about. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just interesting to me. And I, I think that's why I've always had a thing, uh, a knack for history is because I just find the story so in- interesting. It, it's something that I, I just, I really ingest it. I internalize it. Unfortunately, I don't always retain it. But that always makes me yeah. go back to learn again, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that, like I said, that's important because, like, you might not retain it. Like, because our world is so fast-paced, so, like, you, you don't retain stuff as as much as you used to because everything's readily available now. So, like, it it takes, you know, it takes going back and reading stuff, you know, one, two, three times to really retain it and really to keep that in, in your memory. Yeah, I, absolutely, and that's what I'll do. And I'll, I'll watch things over and over again, and I just, you know, I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. So let's get back to your story. So your your childhood was a mix of, you know, half sports, half academics. Uh, where, how, how was high school for you? I mean, I had my I have very fond memories of high school. I I had friends. Mm-hmm. I sort of mixed with different crowds. It wasn't like uh, when I, w- I went to high school from I'm going to age myself here, but from <laughs> 1994. 93 93 i entered freshman year i graduated in 97 mm-hmm. and those years were fun you know there was a lot of I, I i'm assuming it's still like this in high school now where there's a lot of groups yep. you know you get a lot of different uh cliques let's say but i don't know that i can ever say that i belong to one particular clique i felt like i had my sports friends like guys i played sports with right yeah and then i had my friends that, you know, we didn't even, it didn't matter if we played sports together or not. You just had your friends that you would hang out with outside of school. And I had friends that were like, you know, skaters and friends that were, you know, whatever, preppy or whatever the heck they called them. And I just, the bottom line is I got along with a lot of people. I was able to, you know, have a few long lasting friends that I'm still friends with today. And Mm -hmm. I just had a really good time. I mean, I was able to get things done. I, you know, I graduated with honors and it was a it was a fun time. Like for some people, I know that they can look back at high school and it's like awful. And I feel bad because I know that's a story for so many people. But I'm fortunate to say that I did not have that. I, I missed high school, you know, until I got to college and college became fun also. <laughs> yeah. So when did when did weight become an issue for you? Because I know you, you said that you were always a chubby kid. But like when when did it really become like a when did you first realize that, hey, my weight is really an issue or I mean, was it ever an issue for you? You know, I, it's hard for me to remember, you know, when it wasn't, you know, Willie, I, I, I I can't remember like, oh, I remember that day that somebody called me something, 
it's not even like a, a memory like that. Mm-hmm. My aunt, I have a, you know, I have an aunt on my mother's side who remembers, she told me one day that she remembered me being like, gosh, I don't even know how old, but it, I probably was like seven. Let's go. I mean, it's good. We're going back, you know? Yeah. And she says she remembers me telling her that I was saying that I was fat. And she said, you know, you were like upset about it. I'm like, I was like, I don't remember this, but she remembered that. Yeah. And she remembered me like being uncomfortable, you know, because I, I knew that I was like too big for my, my age or whatever. Yeah. And I think in that sense, like I've always had that, like part of me, I can remember making excuses that even as a, as a young kid that, oh, you know, as I grow, I'm going to get leaner. Yeah. You know, when I, when I, as I get taller, I'm going to get leaner. It's not a problem. But I was drinking like so much soda. That was my biggest issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I drank soda every, with everything. I don't remember drinking water. I remember drinking soda and I remember drinking juice. And it was just something that was accepted uh, in my family. And, you know, looking back, I, I can't even imagine drinking even I don't drink soda now, you know, yeah. so it's like I, I used to just drink it like to the point that I have another aunt who re- loves to remind me <laughs> that <laughs> I was I was quite the brat in one particular instance. She remembers me being at her house and in her house there was no soda. Like yeah. She didn't like her. You know, she didn't allow her children, my cousins to drink soda like that. And I was like demanding soda. And she was like, no. And she said I was throwing like a fit. <laughs> and I'm like amazed by that because i wasn't like that like I, in general i wasn't the kid that threw fits i wasn't yeah. the, the kid who who like screamed all the time like my parents would never allow that but over soda like you're taking away my drug you're taking away my sugar i had like a freak out yeah and and that, this was me as a little kid you know fast forward i think i i probably drank a little less in in, in high school but it wasn't ever a thing of i need to drink less soda i just drank soda whenever it didn't matter to me yeah and you know, in high school, it wasn't so bad, maybe because a I'm younger, metabolism is faster, mm-hmm. and I'm even though I was overweight, I think I was handling it okay. I was I was probably I was overweight for my height. I was always I've been five five forever, but you know I was I was around like 190, 200 pounds, which is heavy. But I also lifted a lot of weights back then, and I was like, you know, I was like a stocky built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it didn't bother me, and I didn't have any problems. Like I had girlfriends; it wasn't an issue, but. Once I got out of high school and I wasn't playing sports like I was before and I just started putting on that weight, you know, it wasn't a freshman 15 for me. It was like a freshman 40. And I just I got bigger and bigger and I had to stop. And and when I cut out soda, that really made the difference. Yeah. Initially. Uh, Well, I was going to ask you because you you said that like your aunt reminded you that when you were seven that you, you called yourself fat. Is anybody else in your family like large or anything like that? Because I, you kind of learn that behavior from somebody else, and, that, right. and that's why I was just going to ask you: Was is there anybody else in your family who is like larger or or anything yeah. like that? Yeah, I mean my my you know my my mother's larger. Um, you know she's been overweight. She blames me. She said before me this wasn't a problem. <laughs> then she had me, and then she like you know she said I messed her up. That's, yeah. that's her joke with me every birthday. So yeah. you know I love you, mom. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, and, and so I think it's more like my dad, you know, when he ever gains weight, it's always like in his stomach. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then he loses it with just changing a few things. So I would say that, you know, I mean, my dad's over 80 years old. He's in, he's in pretty decent shape. And uh, actually, I shouldn't say he's over 80. He is exactly 80. Yeah. And he's in pretty good shape uh, for 80, especially. But uh, yeah, my mother's side, I, I would say, like, you know, we're Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. So that, that Puerto Rican thickness comes through pretty, pretty evident. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not just to the women. It's men too. Like me, I, 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 listen, I gave my weight in my midsection, my hips and thighs, just like, just like some of these Puerto Rican girls do too. Yeah. It's, it's not what I want, but it's just the way I'm built. So when I gain weight, that's where I start gaining weight. And I'm like, great. That's not what I want. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's an indicator right away when my, when those pants are getting tighter, you know? Yeah. No, I, I just, I, I just wanted that because I, even when I, I knew when I was growing up that I was really only like the bigger person in the family. Like I might have like one or two aunts that were like bigger, but like for the most part, like I was the biggest person in the family. And mm-hmm. so like I, I learned that from watching like them talk about how they were fat and, and things like that. And then I just, you know, I learned that behavior from them because my, my, my mother or father, they were never heavy, like at all. So like I was like the only one that was really heavy. Out of everybody. That's interesting. I, I did not. I, I, you know, I don't blame my parents for any yeah. of these things, but I do think some of it is in my genes and some of it or a lot of it had to do with how much sugar I was allowed to have like yeah. from the juice and the soda alone, as, as you know, is a real driver for that weight gain. And, um, you know, I, I don't remember anyone talking about their weight, but I'm sure it was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I will tell you, as a as a young child, I watch a lot of television and a lot of movies, and who knows what I might have been registering just from watching that. That's, that's true. I mean, you know, we're talking movies and, and TV shows, especially in the eighties and, and and early nineties. I, I, I don't know what they were talking about. I can't remember, but I watched all of them, and I'm sure that came through. That's true. And and that, and that's all the diet commercials. All those diet commercials. That, that is true. That, was, that is something that was, I, I forgot. I, I compl- like just after you said that, I was like, yeah, that that makes sense because even like I was a child of the eighties and nineties too, and I remember seeing a lot of diet commercials and like characters on TV shows and movies talking about like their weight and things like that. Like, and I remember all that stuff. So like, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I think so. I remember as early. I, I remember being a kid watching baseball. And during the commercials, they would have these uh, slim fast commercials. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Lasorda, who's like a former, you know, major league baseball manager, was doing the slim fast commercials because he used to be really, really heavy, and he had lost a bunch of weight. And his slogan was, "I'm never gonna look like that again." And yeah. I remember that watching baseball games, which is like funny that you brought it up. I, I now that we're talking about it, it's very clear to me. Yeah, I remember all that stuff, and I remember like the the, the commercials for like Weight Watchers and Snack Wheels and. Like any kind of diet food you could think of, like you saw it on TV, like yeah, more so than now. Oh yeah, more so than now because they don't really plaster that stuff on TV anymore like they it's used to. Now it's more on the internet now. I think. Yeah, everything is marketed to you on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when did you? Okay, so like you realized when weight became a problem for you. When did you decide to change something about your weight? Uh, there's so many times I. I I know I can remember in college, you okay. know, realizing that I was getting too big and I, I cut out the soda. I started going to the gym, you know, and again, like when I was in high school, I used to work out when I was in college, I wasn't working out as much. Mm-hmm. So I started incorporating my, you know, workouts again. And back then that's really all I had to do. 
if I started working out, I'd immediately start losing weight. Yeah. And, um, you know, a few changes to the diet, you know, maybe add a few salads because I wasn't eating a lot of greens anyway. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really do anything drastic. I just, you know, cut out the sugar with the with the with the drinking, like, you know, less no sugar in my coffee, let's say. And I would cut out soda. And I I, I can't give you a number, Willie, but I know I lost weight. I remember by the time I graduated uh, college, I was certainly I gained, let's say, let's say I gained 40 pounds. I, I lost about 25, 30. Yeah. So I was close to where I started. But I've been fluctuating. Gosh, through all my 20s, I fluctuated. I, I, I There's so many times that I remember thinking, wow, I'm too big. And then I would go through some sort of weight loss. I would try different things. I tried different diets. I And it would work. I think, you know, um, Ethan Morris, I don't know if you no, know I, Ethan. I know Ethan. Yeah, you know, the press to determine on Instagram. Yeah. He, when he was uh, on my on my show. Hi, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Ethan? When he was on my show, he said that you know he any diet worked as long as he worked it. Yeah. And I pretty much feel the same way. Like any diet that I was doing, if I worked it, if I was committed to it, then it worked. Yeah. You know, I whatever it was. Like I mean, I remember trying vegan for a while just to give it a shot, or vegetarian, not so much vegan, and just because. I don't even think it had to do with being vegetarian per se or cutting out the meat, but mm. I was being very specific about what I was eating. I was paying attention to everything that I ate and I prepared what I was going to eat. And yeah. if I did that, I always lost weight. So, yeah. but I don't, you know, to answer your question um, more concisely, it started at least by college that I was like, I need to lose some weight. And it's been a thing for me ever since. And I'm 40. So it's up and down ever since. Yeah. Yeah, the the just the, the whole weight loss journey is it's it's I I can tell you like even like like I told you my story so like on your podcast but like like even before that I can tell you at least five other instances where I I tried to do it and I didn't have all the information like I would go work out but then like my diet would be still like crap so like I still would be like the same or I lost ten pounds and gained you know ten 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 back so like it was always like. I didn't have the complete like guide. And so like, it would always be like, I would have half of the information and not the full spectrum of the information. Well, it's like, this is how I look at it now with everything, you know, because to part of my journey, what started this latest thing where, where I finally launched a podcast and everything goes to me being the highest that I remember being on, on record, which was I hit 252 pounds. Okay. And you know, it was no secret. But I knew something was up because I felt it and I was I couldn't breathe tying my shoes. Yeah. You know, my stomach was in my way. And, you know, God bless my wife. You know, she she never she definitely was like, you know, do you want to go to the gym? Like she was trying to give me some hints without being mean about it. Yeah. But I mean, to be that much bigger than when she met me, I mean, when I met her, I was down to about 170. And that was wow. the thinnest. That was the thinnest I remember being. And that during that period to get down to 170 that we're going back to 2011, 2012, that was me. I was going to the gym five days a week. I was preparing my food every single day. I was mm. eating mainly pro, you know, lean proteins and greens. I was running a lot. I was into my workouts. It was just a, a, a mindset that I would not let go of. Yeah. And I just relaxed a lot with that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I stopped working that whole lifestyle and I just sort of got through the motions, went to the gym less, ate a lot looser. And before you know it, a few years later, I ballooned up to 252. So 
what really got me about that was if I can't perform a simple function like tie my shoes without being out of breath, then what am I doing? Yeah. And, you know, fast forward, you know, I lost immediately. When I say immediately, it, it took me about six months to lose about 50 pounds. And then I lost another 10. And then I sort of, I was doing ketogenic diet. Okay. I stopped doing a ketogenic diet and I was just sort of tweaking it. But what I was really doing in retrospect was I was getting lazy with it, you know, because I was very specific about how I prepared my food. And I've been working on the mental aspect of this because I, I know that for me, it's been a bit of an addiction to food. You know, yeah. it's a, why can't I stop myself? And, and the more I break it down, it's really about specific types of foods. I really think that I have a problem with sugar. And it mm -hmm. probably goes as back when I was a kid drinking soda, throwing a fit with my aunt when I didn't get any. Yeah. I can't just have one little anything. I can't buy a pint of ice cream and have a, a quarter of it. I can't, you know, take a giant piece of cake and just have a small piece of it. Yeah. If I did those things, this would not be a conversation that we're having. But the reality is I just I, I want to do those things and I would love it. It's just I start getting that feeling of how it tastes and, and what my brain does when it fires up just eating that stuff. And I just want the whole thing. And I think about it. You know, I put it in the refrigerator and I think that it's there. I think about it being there. It's mm -hmm. like, what is going on? And I know I use it for several things. I know that when I'm stressed, I'm thinking about what do I want to eat? You know, if yeah. I if, if I got things going on, the, the sugar craving suddenly comes up. And so recognizing that for me has been important because I try to think, okay, this is happening because I'm stressed out. Um, also, I'm hungry. So it's really time for me to just eat in general. And how much water have I been drinking? If I drink a lot of water, that usually can help. I try to use these tricks and I, and I try to recognize the issue. And I'm not perfect at it. And mm -hmm. case in point, you know, I went down to, to one, 192 uh, about a year ago. And then I went back up to about 220. Yeah. And then I sort of work my way backwards again to where I'm, you know, I get, get, get myself to hover around 200. So I'm not, I'm trying different things. And what I'm coming to realize talking to people like yourself and um, everyone, everyone that I spoke to on this podcast who have so many different ways of doing this, I feel like the most consistent thing is when you're consistent with something. Yeah, when you're consistent exactly. and, and comfortable and you feel like it's a sustainable plan and it's something that you can really just weave into your lifestyle, not like this restrictive way of living, there's a possibility there to find a happy place where you can get to the comfortable weight that you want to be at and still enjoy your life and not let food be a thing that takes over. Exactly. Because you don't want to be a slave to food. Like You don't want it to be the thing that that, that chains you down. And that's all you're thinking about 24 seven, 365. It, it, it's, 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 that's not, that's not the way to live. And, you know, I, and I told you, like, I told you that, like, I'm trying, that's what I'm working on now is not being a slave to food. Um, and so far so good, but like, you know, for other people, like, like yourself, like they have to, they can't be a all or nothing, but like, there's people who are all or nothing or they like in moderation. And you're definitely one of those people who are like all or nothing. So if like, if you have sugar, like then it's on, like if you have it. And so you have to just restrain yourself from, from having it because like you will completely like 
destroy like whatever that sugar that thing of sugar is yeah it's crazy it's you know and it's such a horrible relationship to have with food you know it's we we want to i think the 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 goal that i have is to just food is a thing that i i I need Mm -hmm. and and i want to enjoy it i don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying the food like you hear a lot of people food is fuel yes it of course it's fuel and that's what it's its main purpose should be fuel Obviously, we have ways of making that fuel taste delicious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't just say I don't care what it tastes like, right? I, I I'm gonna just you know stick it in there and, and and use it as fuel and move on with my life. But I need to be able to find the the happy place where it really tastes what good. I, I enjoy what I'm eating, yep. and I also have control over what I'm eating. And I think I can do that well as we speak with food in general. Um, you know, let's say like a dinner plate. I'm good with that. I yeah. know how to just portion my food right. I know how to fill it up with greens. That always works well for me. If I eat, it doesn't even have to be lean protein at this point. Just protein and greens, veggies, which I do enjoy. Yep. If I do that well for myself consistently and I prepare that food and I'm consistent, I do notice a difference. Even if I don't look at the scale, which I don't, I haven't been doing for a while. I've been going by how it feels in my in my clothing, yeah, with how I, I see myself. I'm trying to go about it from that approach and trust that because I also don't want to be a slave to the scale. I want the scale to be a metric that I can use without being something that's hanging over me. Yeah. And so I look at it the same way with food. I just I don't want this to be a constant thing of, oh, I just gained 20 pounds. Oh, I got to lose 30 pounds. Oh, I got to. Uh, and it's it's just a constant conversation. And I love having my podcast where I talk about this with other people. But for me personally to constantly have to have that conversation, it, it, it gets old really quick. Yeah. I, I don't want to continue. So I'm, I'm right now working that where it's like the internal work, the internal stuff first. And then which is my relationship with food in general and and sugar, because I mean, even with sugar. Okay, so I can tell you, like, I, I really think I have a sugar addiction. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I never have sugar again? I don't think that's realistic either. I no. think I need to find, you know, I, I need to find that that place where I can say, yeah, I really want more, but I'm not going to have more. Yeah. You know, because I don't need more. And and letting the, the need overcome the want. No, exactly. Because, like, you, 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 you have to... and and. And I think, and Daryl tells me this all the time because I, <clears throat> I have regular conversations with Daryl because he's my coach. But like, you have to fix the inside before you could even work on the outside stuff. So like, you, you have to work with your relationship with food, because for a lot of people that is the biggest problem, um, just with diet, just with diet in general. It's it's that people's relationship with food is very skewed, and so like you have to fix that first. And for people who like addicted to sugar like me and you we have to realize that maybe sugar's off the table right now just for a little bit until like like and like gourmet like he he has to take stuff off the table and now he's in maintenance and he has you know he's bringing stuff back in so like you have to get to the point where like you have to fix that relationship with food first and then build that foundation first and then build everything else on top of it yeah because i you know one of the things i wonder about is is sugar something similar to a narcotic or not or alcohol where and i use this example because if you're an alcoholic it's very dangerous to even have a sip of alcohol yeah 
You know, and if same thing with any kind of narcotic, like one hit of any of these things will send you off the rails because it's so addictive for these people. Yeah. Is sugar that way for me? I don't know. I mean, don't get the wrong impression. It's, I'm not saying that I have one taste of sugar and I binge immediately, but it has happened. Yeah. It has happened where I just had that one cookie or that one piece of cake and that same day or the next day it's on like the craving is through the roof and I'm like, screw it. Let me have fun. Yeah. You know, so that's something that I definitely am trying to, yeah, right now I'm staying away from it. I'm allowing some, some fruit sugar. Like I'll, I'll have fruits. At least there's some fiber in there. And I, I think that doesn't seem to send me off the rails. Exactly. But the process stuff, like I'm, I'm doing my best, man. I, I'm doing my best to just get that out of my life, at least while I work this whole thing and work the internal stuff. And I mean, that's the way to go. I mean, it, it, as long as you still have some kind of sugar from fruit or anything like that, that's fine. But it, I think it's just the stuff that's got added sugar or just like it's heavily processed. I think maybe that's just something that you don't need to have right now. I just think it's interesting that every time I look at, the, you know, I don't think that there's, there's only one way to do anything, mm-hmm. you know, especially when we're talking about within this weight loss community. Um, there's so many different ways from, I mean, think about the stories that we've heard from so many people, yeah. uh, yourself included. How do you lose weight? I mean, some people go, I mean, like, like, like Ethan bringing him up again, Ethan went, tried every single diet. He went from keto to just straight up carnivore. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's one way you, you, there's plenty of people on social media who will tell you they went like complete opposite and went vegan and lost weight. There are people who go keto. There are people who do like Weight Watchers and it seems to work for them or some other diet plan or, and different things work for different people. But the one common denominator that I always see is the sugar, the processed food. If you, there's no diet out there that's eat all the candy you want. Mm -hmm. There's no diet that says I eat a bucket of ice cream every day. There's no such thing. Well, the only one is like that is if it fits your macros, but for the most right. part, it's, right. it's, it's but a limitation. But it limitation. wouldn't fit your macros. That's the point. It wouldn't fit your macros to only eat a bucket of ice cream every day. That's true. Right? It would fit your macros to – you'd be able to include it, and I, and I get that, and I respect that. Yeah. But it still requires other other parts of the, the food pyramid to, to, to fit that, exactly. to make it work for you. And it would limit how much sugar you really could take in because to get those ratios right – you can only take so many carbohydrates in. Mm-hmm. And so there's still a limit there. And I just don't I just don't see sugar ever being good in any of these diets. I, and it's like I the more and more I do this stuff, the more I get asked about it or the more it comes up in a podcast of my own. It it it's something that I start railing against because I realize how problematic it can be. Yeah. And I just think I mean, there's so much what bothers me. Now I'm now I'm preaching, Willie. But what, bothers, <laughs> what bothers me is the added sugar stuff and things yeah. that have no business having sugar. Like I've had ketchup without any added sugar, and it tastes great. Why the hell do they have to add sugar? Because it makes it. it it's like an it's like an addiction thing. Like it's right. like let's put it in there, and we'll make them buy it because they lay because the ketchup has sugar in it, and it's going to taste better. And they're going to buy it every time because this brand has this amount of sugar in it, and it makes it taste so so much better. Than our competitors and blah, blah, blah. And and the only reason why that exists is because somebody decided to put that in there. But, and we've, so we've grown up tasting things a certain way. But had we never gotten that, we wouldn't have known. Yeah. Right. We wouldn't have to have ketchup with with, with added sweeteners in it because it would have been fine on its face. But they introduced this addicting way of having it 
And 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 so th- that's just a small example, but there's so many different things that you just look at the ingredients and go, wait a minute, why is there sugar in this? Like this is a savory dish. Yeah. Why is there sugar in this? And that's the thing that gets me. That's the thing where I feel like if I really look at it, I feel like I'm being attacked because I'm trying to avoid certain things and you're sticking it in my food. So the only option is I have to prepare my own food. I have to do it my way. Does it mean I never go to a restaurant? Of course not. My wife yeah. and I like to go to a restaurant sometimes. But even there, I try to be specific about what sort of things am I ordering to try to avoid this problem. Yeah. I mean, and when it all comes down to it, like you have a choice on, on what you spend your money on. So if you don't want something with sugar in it, like you can do the research or you know, stick to like in the grocery store, stick to that to the, the, the perimeter of the grocery store. Or if you go to a restaurant, ask them how food is prepared and, and if you don't like it prepared that way then you tell you know the person cooking your food to prepare the way you want to yeah there's no shame in that i mean yeah it's it's like just 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 ask yeah you know just ask it, it's it's not the worst thing in the world some people are ashamed to go oh i don't want to be the person that tells them hey instead of this can i have that or can you guys do this instead it's not a problem it's very it's not that hard to do most at this in this day and age most most restaurants will 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 you know accommodate. Yeah, because I think uh, Kayla went to some. I think it was a vegan restaurant. I can't remember what it was, but like she went to some restaurant and she showed she showed the receipt of because you know she's got all these allergies and stuff. So like she she requested that they it be gluten free and don't cook it in this and and like they actually did it for her. So like if you need something cooked a certain way, like don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah, I don't I don't see that being a problem. I mean, I, I've certainly have done that before. Yeah. And listen, the only problem with it for me is always been the way that, let's say, it's listed on the menu is probably going to taste better than what I'm asking for. Yeah. And that's the only thing that's hard about that decision. In reality, it's like this is fried and I want it grilled. Yeah. And grilled is fine. It's going to taste fine. But I know fried is going to just be so tasty. <laughs> and I can't, I can't lie to myself. I mean, fried chicken is better than grilled chicken. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. That's life. So I have to make that decision. Do I want the fried chicken today? Is it worth it? Is it something that I need? Is it go, what's the result of this fried chicken for me? Yeah. Is it a problem or is it fine? Is it fine because I know that I'm going to be fine tomorrow and I didn't, I've, I've been fine all week and this is just like not even a cheat. This is just something I want today. And if it's just that moment, then who cares? It's fine. It's not going to do anything to you. But if it's something that's going to send me off the rails or if it's something where I keep making excuses and I keep thinking it's okay, that's when I have to catch myself, yeah, right? Exactly. So let's let's talk about um, where your weight loss uh, story goes from here. So where are you at now with your weight loss? All right. So I haven't weighed myself in a while. Okay. Um, you know, I got myself down in, I believe it was in October, I had gotten down to about two, no, 198. Okay. It was like 198, 199. Uh, I had done this plan with with a nutritionist who I'm friends with. um, And she gave me a meal plan. And I'll admit, I found it a little restrictive, but it was, there was a lot of food involved. So it wasn't that I wasn't eating. It was just very specific about certain things, which I wasn't used to, but it worked. It, It worked in terms of me losing weight and losing inches, most importantly. Uh, once I stopped doing that, I think like anything else, you know, I was doing something very specific for a while and then I sort of went off on my own and I'm pretty sure I gained some weight. I didn't weigh myself, but I just knew. Yeah. I knew by my, the way my shirt fit or how my pants fit. 
So I don't know my weight right now because I'm just staying away from the scale. What I do know is that about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was feeling like, am I gaining weight again? And then I realized this is not a question. This is a fact. I'm gaining weight again. Yeah. I can tell. I know because of the way my jeans fit. I know it just it's there are certain things that are just there's no question. Yeah. And I just hit the brakes immediately. And the next day I started eating different. And for me, eating different is, again, preparing my food every day and cooking things my way, which means I'm cooking a lot of I eat red meat. I eat chicken. I eat you know, fish sometimes. Okay. And I just make it myself. I sometimes I, I, I fry it in the pan with like coconut oil. Sometimes I just cook it in the air fryer, which is a lifesaver for me because it's yep. a time saver and a lot of vegetables, cauliflower, broccoli. I love that stuff. Salads. And I just fill myself up with that. So it's greens and protein. And I go back to that old standard, but it's a standard that I enjoy. I do like the food. And I know that it, it took about a week for me to start feeling like I was reverse coursing now, which is good. Like I was, yeah. I definitely felt less bloat. I felt my jeans fitting looser again. I went down a notch in my belt. So these are the things that tell me I'm going in the right direction. And that's good though, because when you realize that like your weight was going up, like you caught it and you, re and you realize it and you course correct it. So at least, at least now you recognize that this is becoming a problem. Let me figure out what I need to do and let's do it. I mean, first of all, losing weight is hard. Oh, yeah. So Definitely. when you do it, it's it sucks. To, I mean, you know better than anyone. Yeah. You know, when you when you get to a point and then you go back up, it's like, what the heck? Like, that's frustrating and it's defeating and it's depressing. It's so many negatives. And what comes down to it is you have to find a, a happy place to deal with this. Like, how do I deal with this where it's like it's sustainable and I live my life and I enjoy my every day. It's not like I'm angry at myself because I'm not getting to where I want to be. I didn't set a timetable of when I need to get to a certain weight. Yeah. And and maybe I can just go about it that way. And I think that, you know, your story inspires me for sure. I'm um, like Gourmet's does. And mm -hmm. these guys, you know, and, and girls like, you know, McKenna and there's so many people, but they they have a way uh, of, you know, making me believe that you just have to find a way to incorporate this into your lifestyle where you're not restricting everything. You're just yeah. being mindful. You're just looking at planning, planning. It all comes down to that. I, I railed about sugar for a while, but it really does <laughs> come down to planning as well. Right. I mean, exactly. the last, the last episode, we were talking about it before we started the last episode of my podcast um, as of today, today is the 13th, right? So yep. I, I released this episode the other day, my wife and I, and we got so many different perspectives, but planning preparation was such a common thread I felt throughout because however it is you plan, whether it's planning because you prep all your meals or you plan by just jotting down what you're eating so you can kind of see it mm -hmm. and understand what it's doing to you. Just having that mindfulness is a help to have that connection with what's going on with my food. Because I think what happens is, what, I, what I'm learning about myself is, there have been many times where my brain is really not involved in the transaction. Yeah. It's food from hand to mouth to stomach. And my brain has nothing to do with this. So what mindfulness means then is making sure that in every decision, food decision I make, I'm thinking about what that means. Yeah. And if I can do that, that's not really hard. That's not 
that's restrictive. That's not punishing myself. That's just saying, hey, just be alert to what you're doing. And if I can do that, maybe this is where I'm at right now. Maybe I can accomplish my goals and it wasn't one specific restrictive action to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I able, I was able to get to where I want to be and I, I did it by just thinking ahead and, and preparing and being mindful of everything. Yeah. I mean, that's the perfect way to be, to plan everything out and have some kind of plan of attack and just attack it. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I have, I'm not counting calories right now. I'm not, you know, I was weighing my food for a while, and what I, I what I liked about that was it gave me an understanding of what what food equates to. So, for example, you know, if I take a, a grilled chicken, yep, I don't know if it's eight ounces, I don't know if it's six, uh, eight, ten ounces, or if it's seven ounces, but it's close, right? Mm-hmm. I can, I know what that looks like. I know what, you know, what did they, about the size of my hand. If I see a piece of grilled chicken about that size, it's probably eight to 10 ounces. Okay. So I know what that is. Yeah. I don't have to wait it every time. I know if something's bigger than that. I know if something's smaller than that. And that's my gauge. So I know, how do I know if, 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 if something is too much of anything? I can eyeball it a little bit. Now, is that 100% effective? It probably isn't, but I need this to be sustainable. Yeah. So I'm trying to find where that is like if i keep doing that and i notice that in two weeks nothing's changing well then maybe i need to back it up a little bit and i need to go smaller than what i've been thinking is okay exactly and if i can do that i really think there could be some success here so you know we'll see you know i would love to you know tell you in a few months how that that it's gone in the right direction and i certainly anticipate that because I just have to be honest with myself. And at this point, there's no point in lying. There's no point in lying to myself or anyone else for that matter. It's look in the mirror, see what's going on. You you have to live in your body every day. You know. You know. I know when I'm gaining weight because I feel it. I, I can't describe it other than it just feels wrong. It feels, yeah. like, feels like my like under my skin, it feels like things are getting tighter. And then my clothes get tighter. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. But to deny that is to really just deny yourself. Exactly. So um, I know you got to get out of here because <laughs> I know you're you're on break right now. But I wanted to actually mention your podcast. So what what is your podcast? Uh, thanks, Willie. It's the Big Fat Life podcast. Uh, we have we're at this point we have 29 episodes out. I put one out every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I I work in conjunction with my wife Alyssa. She helps uh, with getting guests, and she's really great about listening to my show topics or listening to some of the interviews and and giving me a good feel for for the information that I'm about to put out there, you know, and yeah. and, and, and her I, I, I her hands on that show have been really helpful because she just she's looking at it from a completely different place than I am. Yeah. And it helps to know how it's going to be received. So we put that out together um, every Wednesday and we talk to people like myself, like you, Willie, and mm-hmm. And like some of the people we've already mentioned who tell their weight loss stories. And I've talked to a few nutritionists as well, but just getting different perspectives because I think listening to other people's stories can really give us a good idea about what's going on with ourselves. Much like before when you asked me about, uh, we were talking about history and I was saying looking back helps you see what's going on now. 
I think other people's stories can sometimes motivate us, help us, make us understand. Yeah. Well, I I want you, I want to just tell you I appreciate you coming on. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while, and then I did your podcast just recently. So I wanted to get you on here and kind of get your backstory because, like I said, I I did not do any research on you. So. <laughs> And I and I rarely do that, but I wanted to have this this free flowing conversation and just figure out who Dan really is. So I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate coming on. I appreciate you having me. And um, you know, listen, if anybody out there wants to get in touch with me, you can go on my Instagram. It's uh, a Big Fat Life Podcast. Is my one word is is the Instagram account. Okay. And anybody wants to share their story, I'm always into that. And if anybody wants to hear more Willie, episode twenty eight. You were on episode 28, buddy. <laughs> I'm shamelessly plugging, but you know what? It was a good episode. I want people to hear it. No, it, it really was a good episode. And like I said, I appreciate you coming on. And yeah, if, if you want to be on Dan's podcast, definitely hit him up because he's very responsive in DMs and and share your story. And I, and I tell people this all the time. And I, I talked to somebody earlier today that um, every, every time I talk to somebody, they're like, oh, I don't, I'm not interesting. I don't, have, I don't have anything to talk about. I'm like, everybody has a story. So I feel like you should share your story and between like your podcast, mine, Gary's and Daryl's like there's, there's a story to to tell on all those podcasts. And every time they're on that podcast, it's always something a little bit different. So like, go ahead and just share your story and you might inspire somebody else. Always. And I just think in my life, the things that interest me the most are everyone's stories. I love telling stories, but I love hearing stories. I think that, to share a little bit of yourself with the world, I don't know. There's nothing better. It's it's something that um, you never know who you're inspiring. I want to thank Dan for coming on and just sharing the story. Like I said, I I didn't know much about Dan uh, other than he, like he just came out of nowhere. Like his podcast was like all over the place, and I was like, I, and I didn't know who he was. And once I you know, got to talk to him on the podcast, like I I have a better sense of who he is and what he's all about and. I, I, I dig what he's doing. And I think that if you, if you just like stories, like, like if you like stories like this podcast and, and, and the stuff that Daryl's doing and Gary's doing, like definitely check out Dan's podcast, the big fat life podcast, because he's like I said, he's doing a lot of the same things. Um, and I, and I think I told, I, I can't remember who I told this. I think, I think I talked about it on dumpster fire, but, uh, literally, uh, I think we all we all did an episode with Kayla and every every podcast was completely different. Uh, and a lot of that started with with Dan uh, interviewing her first. So like it it's interesting to see like everybody's in, interview style and Dan has like a unique one. He's like straight to the point and uh, like I said I I enjoy the way he does interviews and uh, it's just great just to kind of pick your bag off people and learn from them and just you know grow uh just just from you know seeing how people work so um other than that i will get off of here but if you want to like i said if you want to follow dan you can follow him on instagram at big fat life podcast uh if you want to follow me on instagram you can follow me on instagram at willie gillis if you have any questions comments and concerns you can email me at what i look for podcast at gmail.com and that's going to be it for this week and i hope you guys enjoy this and i will see you guys next week 